Hi, I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and you're listening to The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. It was very surreal because you read about it, you see it on TV, you've seen the images, but I think looking at it in person, it hits you in a different way to realize the magnitude of the destruction and just how long and how much money it will take to get some of these people back on their feet. That's The Globe's Andrea Wu. She recently flew over Abbotsford, Chilliwack, and Merritt, along with the Canadian Armed Forces. They were trying to get an understanding of the flooded BC areas. Abbotsford is a huge agricultural hub. It's where most of the province's dairy products, poultry products come from. And we have third, fourth, fifth generation farmers there. And to know that you know, your entire life, what your family has invested generations in is completely submerged. Um, It's a very sad and surreal feeling. Andrea also got a closer look at what had happened on the ground. I was walking up to a farmhouse and in between me and the farmhouse, there was a front loader moving this massive pile of mud. And as I got closer, I saw chicken feet and beaks sticking out of this mud. And then the smell hit me and I realized that it was a giant pile of chicken remains. So I kept walking, um, got to the farmhouse and the farmers were so open and so kind and so completely shattered by what happened. And I could totally understand if they just told me to get lost, like now is not the time, but they they spent time and talked to me. The farmer talked about these really heroic efforts to to rescue as many chicken as they possibly could. Neighbors and friends all came by, some with kayaks trying to save the chicken. He estimates that they saved about 50,000 birds, but he didn't want to think about how many were lost. And when that point of the conversation came up, he just gestured at the heavy machinery and he really didn't need to say any more. I mean, you could tell that the loss was huge. And one thing, one other thing that I won't forget for a long time is when he was talking about the rescue efforts and all of the volunteers that came out to the farm to help him, There were complete strangers who were bringing food and assisting, and there was one woman who brought a pot of soup and three children's drawings, and one of them was of a barn, like a red barn with a gray roof, and it said, I'm so sorry for what happened in a heart. And he was showing it to me on his phone, and he burst into tears and said he hopes that one day he can find them and thank them. To give us more context about how this tragedy is affecting farmers, we also spoke with Anne Huey, the Globe's national food reporter. She's on the show to talk about what this means for the food supply and how rebuilding BC's farmlands might look very different. This is The Decibel. And thanks so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. So to start, why is food supply being impacted by the, the recent floods in, in BC's Fraser Valley? So the Fraser Valley is a region about an hour east of Vancouver. 
this just so happens to be some of BC and, and really Canada's most significant agricultural land. Mm. It used to be a lake that was drained out in the 1920s um, in order to produce this very fertile land that, of course, is really great for growing things and for raising livestock and producing food. But of course, as we're seeing now, is also vulnerable to flooding. It's kind of ideally geographically located in that it's, you know, within a a one hour drive of Vancouver. It's close to the border uh, crossing into the United States. And it's also close enough to the port uh, for food that's being exported out of the province. So in a lot of ways, it's ideally situated. um, But again, because it's on on floodplains that leaves uh, that leaves it very very vulnerable to, to weather events like this. Mm-hmm. And so with this recent flooding, lots of these farms had to be evacuated. How many farms, though, are we actually talking about here? So if you look at the actual number of farms that were in the evacuation zone, that number doesn't seem so large. We're talking about dozens or hundreds of farms when we're talking about a chicken farm or an egg laying farm in the Fraser Valley area. We're talking about a barn that's filled with often tens of thousands of birds. You know, I've visited um, egg farms in Chilliwack, for instance, which is right in that area that had uh, 80,000 plus laying hens um, in one farm alone. You've been speaking to farmers who whose lives have just been impacted uh, in these ways. Can you give us a sense of how they're feeling? Mm-hmm. So what happened last week was there were a series of evacuation orders um across, you know, certain parts of of the Fraser Valley. And so there were dozens, if not hundreds of farmers who were forced uh, to leave behind their farms. While it may be difficult, but possible to move, say, some cows or pigs, it's very hard, if not impossible to move tens of thousands of chickens, you know, it's just not possible. And so a lot of farmers were faced with the very devastating situation of having to abandon their animals. Um, I've spoken with uh, farmers who, you know, tried to stay behind, um, but were kind of forced at the last minute when they saw that the water was just rising too fast and, and, and finally had to leave. Um, and then, of course, there are also reports of uh, farmers who had to be forced to leave by other police or emergency mm-hmm. officials. Do we have kind of a, a, a general idea of how many animals actually were affected? We don't have an exact number yet, but it's certainly in the thousands, if not tens of thousands. Some people may point out, of course, that these were animals that were being farmed for food, but it sounds like maybe the farmers that you spoke with still feel a a connection and a responsibility, I guess, to these animals. One thing that is just being emphasized to me, I've heard it so many times over the last week and a half, and, and really just in the last many years of of my covering food is that farmers really do, for the most part, care about what they do. And most farmers seem to really care about their animals. Um, And I know that there can be kind of that cognitive dissonance when, you know, you think about where these animals are destined. But, you know, most of the people who I speak with uh, do this work because they really care about what they do. They take a lot of pride in doing their work well. And this has just been a very difficult couple of weeks for them, for sure.
We talked about the area specifically there uh, and the, the flooding that's going on. As you said before, farmers are used to some level of flooding in that part of the country. But what makes this situation, uh, the recent floods that's happened there, so different and, and so catastrophic? So in some ways, we've really had and are continuing to see two disasters happening in BC right now. So there is the flooding itself and the impact that the floods have had on those farms and the food production that is happening in that area of the Fraser Valley. But we've also seen devastation done to the transportation infrastructure surrounding that area. So we're seeing highways and roads that are crucial for getting in and out of the Fraser Valley that are either just don't exist anymore that have been um, blocked by by landslides or have you know just completely come apart uh, as a result of this really destructive flooding and so not only has the food production itself been disrupted but this crucial transportation network that surrounds it is also really struggling right now and it's more that latter piece that we're seeing right now that that's leading to supply chain disruptions is the fact that you know a lot of food that's both that's coming out of the area is 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 taking 2 3 4 5 times as long to get out and it's so difficult also just to get supplies and things that they need uh in the area in order to produce that food. Mm -hmm. What does this mean for people in BC trying to to buy items like uh, milk or eggs or chicken from their grocery stores? It really seems to depend on where you are in BC. We did see reports of shortages and bare shelves in some grocery stores last week when the flooding had just happened. Um, Much of that, however, had more to do with kind of panic buying and people buying more more products than they actually needed, mm-hmm. um, sort of what we saw at the beginning of the pandemic. But once that quieted down, things seem to have, for the most part, stabilized. And many of the shortages that we are seeing now and might continue to see on the shorter term, so sort of for the next week or so, have more to do with the transportation problems. So getting the product uh, out of the Fraser Valley, getting just products in general uh, around the province because of all of the highways and, and roads that have been shut down. And another thing I will mention is that there's also the organizations already in place in order for producers to kind of work together um, and for the food system to work together to make sure that that supply is consistent. So it sounds like this event is also making us realize just how vulnerable our supply systems are in this in this part of the country. Is, is that something that, that you've seen as well? You know, something I keep hearing over and over again is just this sense of amazement that a couple days of rain essentially can cut off one of our largest cities in Canada from the rest of the country, can completely cut off Uh, one province from the rest of the country. And there are a lot of important questions that are are being raised and that need to be answered about just how fragile our infrastructure is. Uh, Certainly our food infrastructure, our food system, our transportation networks, all of these systems that we rely on critically in order to have 
food on our tables. This is, of course, not the first time uh, that farmers in B.C. have been faced with an environmental crisis recently. Uh, and you mentioned that in the summer there was the, you know, the, the heat and there's been drought. These events go hand in hand with, with climate change. We're learning this kind of extreme event. And so I guess what have farmers told you about what they're doing uh, to address the, the effects of climate change and, and these events that are going to continue happening? One thing that I keep hearing is that, you know, farmers, at least those I've spoken with, are really concerned about climate change. I think that if you're living in that region, you have no choice but to be concerned. You know, they've already lived through a number of these weather events that are, you know, causing real problems to their livelihoods. And so I am hearing a significant amount of concern, but I'm also hearing from some farmers that they feel overwhelmed by the scope of the problem, but also about what they can do to help in their own operation. You know, in the summer, it was the heat dome and, you know, concerns about drought. Meanwhile, now they're facing a flood. So quite literally the opposite. And so I think that some farmers are just feeling overwhelmed and unsure about their role in all of this and what it is they're expected to do. And thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Thanks for having me. That's it for today. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Our producers are Madeline White and Cheryl Sutherland. David Crosby edits the show. Kasia Mihailovich is our senior producer and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks to Andrea Wu and Anne Huey. You can find more of their work at theglobeandmail.com. You can also email us at thedecibel at globeandmail.com. If you want to reach me, I'm on Twitter at ManicaRW. And if you haven't already, please follow The Decibel wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.